Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. In a song, taught me how to sing. Now I have brothers and sisters, gave me a family. I want to start by saying how much I appreciate the leadership here at this church for allowing. A, a woman to share. Cause we got a lot to say, don't we, girls? Yes, we do. Yes, my hope is that you will leave today encouraged, full of hope. And so let's go here. I know that a lot of you don't know me and I don't know you, but I, I want to read to you a list of who I am. And this is who you are, too. As I read the list, I really want you to See if you agree with this, because this is who I am in Christ. And take note if there's some of these that you go, I'm not so sure, I think or feel that. Pay attention. I am God's child. As a disciple, I am a friend of Jesus Christ. Whoa, what a friend to have. I have been justified, I am united with the Lord, and I am one with him in spirit. Either that's true or it's not. Thank you. Yes, it is. I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have been redeemed and forgiven for all my sins. That was good news when Russ and I first heard that 30 odd or 40 years ago. We were forgiven of all of our sins. I am complete in Christ. Whoa, now there's what we have to ponder, don't we? Do you feel complete in Christ? Or are you a few notches below? Or are you complete in Christ or not? I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. That means I get to the bump to the front of the line. And so do you. I am secure. I am free from condemnation. I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. I am free from any condemnation brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. Wow, that's such good news. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that God will complete the good work he started in me. That is good news, isn't it? You don't have to worry that he's going to leave you in a state of desolation or despair or wondering about him. He's going to complete what he started. I'm his problem. Yes, I am. (laughs) I am a citizen of heaven. Wow. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, 
and a sound mind. Sometimes Russ wonders about that sound mind part, but it's true. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. Now, it doesn't mean that he doesn't try, but he's under my feet. I'm not under his. And we tell our grandchildren, or the wee ones that a lot, actually the big ones too, wait a minute, he's under your feet. Hello, you're not under his. That is such good news. I am a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine, and a channel of his life. What a privilege to be on earth and to be part of that. I'm a branch on that. Oh, what a privilege. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am God's temple. Wow, that's pretty serious. That's in 1 Corinthians 3.16, in case you were wondering. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. Either that's true or it's not. So it's not what do you know, it's what will you believe. That's in Ephesians 2.6. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you trying to get my attention? Yes, I am. <laughs> I just need to move this closer to your face because it's banging against your earring. Oh, and I can't take off my earring. That just, that's not going to fly. That's not going to happen. Do I need to take off my earring? No, no, we're just, I'll tell you what you need to take off. He's nasty, man. Okay, so, <laughs> thank you. Okay, so, now I'm going to tell you who I used to be. So, where we're, the scripture we're going to talk through today is Exodus 17. So, we're talking about Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. In Hebrew, Jehovah Nisi is Yahweh Nisi, and it means I am beginning and the end, the one and only God. Okay, so let's go to Exodus 17, and I'm actually going to start in verse 8, but I want to give you a little bit of a history, and that is that, so Amalek, we're going to read about this, he was the grandson of Esau, and the Amalekites were always at war with the Israelites. It was a constant struggle, a constant thing that the Israelites were having to deal with. Now, the previous chapters, like before, they tell how God instructed Moses to use a rod against Pharaoh. And you remember these stories. That, and the waters became blood. And there are different stories where this rod was used. Then he instructed Moses in Exodus 17, 5, to take the same rod and hit the rock and water poured out. Okay, this is referred to as the rod of God. Okay, so here we are. Let's go to verse 8. And we're going to read right through to 15. So we are in Exodus 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. 
So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. So there he is, and he, as long as he held it up, okay, so he prevailed. And when he let down his hand, then Amalek prevailed. Well, that's interesting. I wonder how long it took him to figure that out. But it's just a mystery, isn't it? And so, but Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him. Sorry. And he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called his name, its name, pardon me, the Lord is my banner. Wow, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nissi. Don't you find that interesting? Oh, I thought this was my microphone. Don't you find it interesting? No, it's, this is just a prop for something else. I have to remind myself that. Okay, the rod of God, or a ban- or banner, was used as a rallying point for armies or communities. When lifted up, it, and this, these are true stories, when lifted up, it called people together for battle, or for a meeting, or for instructions. That's what they would do. They would hold up this banner so everyone could see it. It's time to rally. It's time to come over here. And when Moses held this rod above the Israelites in battle, it was a symbolic gesture of God's protection. Isn't that so interesting to me? I find it fascinating that when, if for any reason it slipped, then the Amalekites started to Win. And so they could actually, the Amalekites could look and see, oh, we're winning. Or the Israelites could look and see that it was up there and, oh, they're winning. This is a powerful tool. Banners are, and rods like that are attention grabbers. They make a statement and they demand to be seen. Like when the Israelites would hold that up, it was a rallying cry, come. We have something to say. They're powerful symbols. A banner beckons strangers, inviting them in with their colorful displays. One of my grandsons told me that at the university that he was at when all this climate change thing was going on and that the university students would, they'd have these huge banners and these huge walks and protests and all these young people would go and he said he just got caught up in it because it was just it just drew you in to be part of something a banner lures the curious and draws people together and that's what happened to our grandson he actually didn't so much even believe in the cause but he liked the fact of he was joining something and before Russ and I gave our hearts to Jesus in the eight, early 80s, I can remember, and I was a seeker for quite a few years, 
And uh, I was aware of that, that there was something missing. And I didn't know what it was, but I do remember this significant thing. We, we lived up by Edmonton, Alberta, Canada at that time. And I can remember driving along this avenue, major thoroughfare, and there were people standing there holding banners. There was an election coming up for who they believed in and who they supported. And I remember it actually made me quite teary because I thought, wow, they believe in something that strongly that they're willing to stand there on the street in the cold just holding a sign. And I can remember being drawn to that, wow, to believe in something that much that they would do that. A banner or a flag symbolizes, too, something that we're passionate about. And you've noticed it in our community here, the different signs in different yards, and who believes in who, and which means that they don't believe in somebody else. So they were passionate about particular people that they wanted voted in. It's such an interesting thing. A banner says, this is who I am. I stand for this person. And across the street, you can have somebody, oh, no, but I stand for this person, right? We declare who we are by our banners, by our rods, by what we hold up for others to see. I want you in my neighborhood to know this is the right candidate, right? I'm passionate about it. Here's my banner. Here's my sign. This is who I am. I'm a believer on this guy. This is who I am. Thank you very much. So my question is, what banner are you and myself holding up for others to see? Because we do it. And I'll give you some examples. We can hold up our wealth for all to see. We can also hold up our poverty for all to see. We can hold up our knowledge of the word. That's a good one. That's a good thing. It's not wrong to share your knowledge of the word. What's wrong is the motivation behind it. Are we doing that to be seen? To be known as a guy who has good knowledge of the word? Here's a good one. We hold up our personality. We're charming. And people like us. So we hold that up. And we stand on that as our strength. Ooh, at least I've got my personality. But we hold up our giftings and our talents. I could hold up, I'm an encourager. Notice me or come to me. I'll encourage you. I'm an exhorter. And God made me that way. Bless him. Bless his heart. Yeah. Bless his heart. I can hold up my faith. Whoa, I have a lot of faith. My faith has seen me through some really hard things. I'm holding up my faith. I got it, folks. This is who I am. I'm a woman of faith. I have a pretty cool family. I think I'll hold that up. In my opinion, I do. But what if something happens in that family? And that view of my family is somehow shattered a little bit, at least in my mind. Huh. <sighs> Now what? Just let me think. There's got to be something. Okay, my family isn't the perfect thing that I'd hoped and dreamt and knew it would be. And it's not. Okay, just give me a minute. Give me a minute. I got it. 
I got the coolest husband. No, that was my first husband, Russ, I'm talking about. <laughs> Just a joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I did hold that up for many years. When we lived in Canada, Russ was, he was very well known in Canada in the music industry. He had some number one hits all across Canada. He had music television shows. He was doing concerts, fronting, who is it, The Who, or, no, I can't remember. Yeah, The Guess Who, anyways, oh, just a minute, I almost forgot. Yeah, and there was just a lot going on in our life, and I really basked in having such a cool husband. And you notice there's nothing of my identity in there, because some of it was shattered when some things went on in my life, but I could always hold up my husband. And he was cool. And he was well-known, which meant, I must be too. And so that was interesting. So what about something else we could hold up? My prayer life. I could hold up my prayer life, which isn't actually what I want it to be, but I'll let others think that it is, <laughs> that I have a pretty consistent and regular prayer life. That's what I'll hold up. And, uh, or I could hold up like... I'm a breast cancer survivor. Look at me. I'm a, do you see what I'm saying? The things that we can hold up that say, this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Even though I never really wanted to be the poster child for breast cancer survivors. I really want to be the poster child for God seeing me through it. So he's who I should be, hold, be holding up. I got to hold up our position in the church, in any church, or in your business where you are. This is who I am. I am the CEO, or I'm the president, or I'm whatever. I'm a teacher at a school making a difference in kids' lives. That's such a good thing. But if we hold that up, as a statement of who we are, we're missing the point of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're saying, this is who I am. I could hold up who some of our friends are in high places that you might even know their names. Woo! I could hold up length of marriage. That's a good one. That's a really good one. It's our motivation that makes the difference. If we are clinging to any of these things as our identity, then we're misguided and missing the point. Once you strip away professions, responsibilities, and causes, who are you really? Really? Who are you? Who am I? This is an interesting thing in the book of James. And by the way, there's actually in the Bible, in the New Testament, there are at least five Jameses listed. Two who were Jesus' disciples, and one was a brother of Jesus. Jesus, pardon me, James was an unbeliever during the ministry of Jesus. Isn't, that's hard to fathom, isn't it? But that, we know that from John 7, 5 which says, even his brothers did not believe in him. Whoa! 
So what happened? What led to his conversion? Because if you look in James 1, 1, he talks about, I am a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So something happened here. And scholars believe that it happened after the resurrection. And the scripture for that is 1 Corinthians 15, 7. That says, after that, he was seen by James than by all the apostles. So there was an upper room prayer meeting in Acts 1.14. says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. So they were there. James describes himself not according to a job, not even as a brother of Jesus. That'd be a pretty cool thing to say, wouldn't it? Jesus is my brother. That's pretty cool to be able to say that, but he doesn't. He describes himself as a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he says about himself. So there'd been a transformation happen. For Russ and I, us leaving Canada and coming down here for so many reasons, but it's been a very interesting transition time because I'm 73 and Russ is 70. Hey, I could hold that up. We're looking pretty good for 73 and 78. No, you're not 78. 79. Yeah. That's even higher. Yeah. (laughs) But a beautiful thing has happened since we've come down here, and since so many of the distractions that we had, we were pastoring a church up in Canada. Oh, I can hold that up. We were pastors in a church (laughs) up in Canada. Everybody see that? Yeah, okay. So then we come down here, and we're not pastoring, and that's okay. And we're living a very different life. Less stress, less distractions, less going on. Still trying to adjust to the altitude, honestly. And, but it's good. It's such a peaceful place. And I offer this as something you can look forward to. And by peaceful place, I of course mean here. But a peaceful place and time in our lives because the striving is over. We had our day in the sun. We strove, we did all we could for recognition and for, we we were doing all those things and we had goals and things that we wanted to do and things that we were seen for, which was important to us. It's just not there anymore. And I say that in the most encouraging way is, it's so lovely. It's so lovely to be our ages and to be at rest, really at rest, really. And you have to uh, practice that rest, but it's available. It's also available when you're in your 60s and 50s and 40s, but I think for so many of us, it takes us to our 60s and 70s and 80s to embrace it and to put it on as something every bit as significant as television shows in Canada. It's way more significant than that. Because over the years, we have seen the faithfulness of God 
We have seen it even in times when we doubted it. And yet, we found out he was there all along. So we have a history. You have a history, John. It's like we have a history to build on. We can look back and go, whoa, he was there all along. So we, we have like stones of remembrance of, that has built up our courage and our faith and our uh, trust in the faithfulness of God. So we have learned to trust him. And we have nothing to prove anymore. We have experienced our own frailties. We've admitted them. We get it. We see it there. But for the grace of God that, who has kept us and helped us all along through all our journeys. So we're resting in knowing that God loves us and always has. And I know that we can all say that, but it's not about what you know. It's what will you believe? Because if you believe that you are loved by the king of the universe, that he loves you, if you can get that from your head to your heart by just letting it happen, it's either true or it's false. You can't talk to me about what you know, but you can talk to me about what you believe, that you are loved. And we hear that all the time, you are loved, but do you know it? It deep, deep within your heart. It's such an important thing because if you can hold on to that and believe it, that you are loved, that when trials and temptations come your way, which they will, you can stand because you know that you are loved by someone really important. And for Russ and I, so our hope, our dream, and our goal, our belief is that we will live up whatever days we have left with the only thing being Jesus. And so it's such a lovely, peaceful thing. We don't have to hold up all this other stuff that... It's okay, but it doesn't even come close to comp comparing to Jesus. And so, you've heard me say this before about when you walk into a room, Dana in your dance studio, everybody else in everything that you do, when you walk into the room, Jesus walks in with you and the atmosphere should change and does change whether you see it or not. And I know that sounds super spooky and everything, but I actually do believe that if he lives in you, when you step into the room, of course things are going to change. change, Because you're changed. And your desire, our desire, is to hold up only Jesus. That he is the only th thing that people see when we're in their presence. Melanie, I, th I thought of this in regards to the Bible study that we did on Isaiah. So listen to this. Isaiah 11.10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner to the people. The nations will rally to him, for the Gentiles shall seek him. And his place of rest will be... 
glorious. His place of rest will be glorious. It's such a beautiful time in our lives of just experiencing that, that place of rest, because we're too old for some of the things we want to do. And that's not a poor me thing. I'll give you an example. I looked at doing volunteering for children's camps for kids that have cancer. That's always been a dream of mine. I thought, I can do that now. So I look up on their website, I'm too old, according to their rules. And even Wild at Heart, like going to, they, they went to Wild at Heart a few weeks ago to Wales to do a captivating conference there. And I thought, I'll go along as a helper. I'm a good helper. I even, oh, pardon me, I even do captivating core retreats. Notice me. I'm too old. It's lovely. These things have been taken from me. And I'm pretty sure it's because God knew I would go, I'm in Wales with the Wild at Heart team. Notice me. You, you get my point, right? And my encouragement to all of us is for you to search in your hearts and say, ask the question, who am I? Really, who am I? And it's not about the stuff and who you think you are. Who am I? Really? I'm a blood-bought daughter of the Most High God. I'm a blood-bought son of the Most High Hi, God, that's something to hold up. That we can hold up. So my challenge for all of us is like, what, what banner are you holding up for others to see? And are you willing to put them down? So that the only thing anybody sees when they are around you, the only thing they feel, the only thing they see, they might not be able to even identify, but that it's Jesus. And at this point in our lives, that's really what we want. With our family, with our friends, with anybody who's in our sphere of influence. It's like the other stuff is interesting and things that we've done, but it's not who we are. We are blood-bought. So let me end with reading you a quick thing. It's not necessarily quick, but it's a father's love letter. It's an intimate message from God to you. So I really want you just to listen. Feel free to close your eyes. If you want to play the piano, you're welcome to. So listen to this Father's love letter to you. Every sentence I read is backed by Scripture, and you'll recognize them. So here we go. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me, you live and move and have your being. Let me do that one again. In me, you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. 
I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I'm not distant and angry, but I'm the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child and I'm your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. For I'm your provider. I meet all your needs. Let's do that one again. For I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father. And I love you even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. Love from your dad, almighty God. So his question is, will you be his child? Because he's waiting for you. I would say, I would say, let's see. Let's just all stand and we'll pray and if you have seen in your hearts something that you're holding up 
to be seen and noticed by other people, that you will confess it to the Lord and ask him to replace that with the real truth of really who you are. So, Father, we come before you as brothers and sisters committed willingly to love you. And so, Father, we invite you by your Holy Spirit into the secret places of our heart, any place that is holding some banner up high for all to see that is not holy about you, Jesus. We're asking that you reveal that to us either right this moment or in the course of the next few days because we want to be a people in this community that when people see us, they think there's something different about that person and we will know that it's you, Jesus, that they're seeing. So come, Lord Jesus. Come into our hearts. Come into our lives. Show us more and more of who you are and how much you love us. Give us the courage to hold that banner up that has nothing on it except for Jesus. Jesus. The one and only, the I am, the beginning and the end. So we look forward to this transformation in our hearts, Lord, because that's what we want for you to be who is lifted up high, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And his banner over me is love. So come, Jesus, come. Come, even in these quiet few moments, Lord, just come, Jesus. Come. Show us where we've been misguided about our identity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And on this day, Lord, we just want to tell you that we love you and we appreciate you and we need you. You are indeed the Alpha and the Omega. So thank you, Jesus. We love you and we pray that you're having a good day today as well. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.